Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN, which is CIO Talk Network. To learn more, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And today's topic is rethinking the CIO-CEO relationship. And our guests for today's show are Melvin Kirk, who's the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Rider System. Hello, Mel. How are you? Good morning. Very good. Thanks. Good morning to you, and uh, hope you're doing well. We are. All right. So life is treating you good? Yes, we are. Uh, we're doing good. I can hear you clearly. Beautiful. And we also have Bob Tupin, who is the Chief Information Officer with Blue Links Corporation. Hello, Bob. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing this morning? Very good, sir. Thank you. And the topic today that we chose was based on the premise that CIO, among all other uh, roles that we have in the executive management, besides, of course, the CEO, is someone who is looking throughout the organization, has insights to us to how the organization functions. They are also charged with making sure that they understand how things can be improved, and they are also tasked with making sure that they enable different business processes and also the strategies so that the business has a an entity works best with the customer. So with all that said, we say, why not look at CIO and look at that individual or that role to work a little differently with the CEO, almost to a point where you might think that they are peer, while there may be a reporting relationship that may still stay, but maybe looking at CIO a little differently. So the first question for you, Mel, is... You know, as we, I already mentioned that the person, CIO, the role of a CIO already has the insight into whatever the organizational working is across the board. You are also looking at uh, this individual to do whatever it takes across the organization to make an impact. So, yes, the person will not be made a CEO, but would you want to elevate this role a little bit or see it differently? I think this role has changed a lot. You know, if you think about, uh, you know, industrials in the 70s, 80s, where the role of, uh, of the CIO was, was really kind of a junior partner, uh, type of, type of role. Uh, now in today's evolving digital businesses, even, even in a heavy industrial like Ryder sees, uh, the CIO role in, in, in much more prominence. So if you think about, if you look at what I do today, uh, in this role, I'm connected to, to every piece of, uh, of the strategy that, that the business employs. If you look at uh, the, a diagram that use, we use inside the business that shows um, the, uh, how we deliver outcomes for our customers and our shareholders, IT and talent are two foundational pieces to, to delivering everything that we do here at Ryder. And so from that standpoint, I think the, the role has changed a lot and um, the, the, the closeness or the relationship between the CIO and CEO is vitally important. And um, actually in this, in this uh, you know, past couple of months, we've elevated the role of CIO to the executive staff where it wasn't before. So, uh, Bob, when you look at your organization or perhaps when you talk to your peers, do you see, besides the fact, okay, we were given the opportunity to look throughout the organization as a CIO, but do you see the empowerment, the authority, the enablement, what is required for a CIO to kind of behave like a pseudo-CEO or at least work hand-in-hand? Has that happened or we are just giving it lip service? So, you know, in my mind, it really depends on the results that a CIO gets. And so, you know, one of the things fundamentally, as people grow up in IT, they tend to be seen as a computer guy. And those are the same people that end up in the CIO roles, which kind of, you know, further propagate the fact that they're just computer guys. And they don't always get a seat at the table. Um, you know, I think foundationally, and there's, and Forbes came out with an article not too long ago, and 40% of CIOs still report into CFOs, which would imply they're kind of seen as a cost center. Um, but, you know, foundationally, as CIOs, there, there's a couple of steps we have to do to be seen as that true business partner. And one is we have to do the IT blocking and tackling. Systems have to stay up. 
Things have to be stable. You can't get viruses. If any of those things happen um, and systems don't stay up, you're not going to be seen as strategic or even as, as credible because that's kind of table stakes. Once you get to there, then you can start doing projects, and projects have to be pulled off on time and on budget, and people have to use the applications. Then you can get into strategy. But if you spend your time doing strategy and systems are going down and you're in firefighting mm-hmm. mode, it's, it's just not going to work. You have a very valid point. Now, let's assume that organizations who are uh, like your organization or, or Mel's organization, you guys are doing what you're supposed to do. So you're at that level where you've set systems and processes to make that happen. And now, like a chief risk officer, like a chief strategy officer, which that, that individual does not have a boundary per se. They have not been pigeonholed into saying you are part of a strategy department. Whereas CIOs told that you are part of an IT department, go fix my company, take it to the next level, but at the same time also try to keep the systems up and running. Are we asking that person too much or we want to see that role differently so that they are spending more time doing what they are best at versus trying to, you know, basically put the network wires or, or whatever else we are talking here? Mel. I think I'll pick up on Bob's point. I think uh, I think the results are a big part of that uh, of the answer. The other the other part is the the CIO has to um, build a team. Uh, you know whether and I, and I won't get into the structure of the team, but um, if you've got people that are in place that are responsible for infrastructure and keeping the the lights on and the phones working, you've got a development leader or leads that are uh, responsible for delivering the projects and so forth, and and then you've got a a uh, reliable set of leaders that are doing production or business support. That does free up your time as a CIO to get involved in the broader strategy of the company, right? Um, but uh, again, to go back to the, to the earlier point is, uh, that Bob made is that you know, if, you, if you grow up and your focus is on bits and bytes and the, and the, and the, tech, and the technicalities of, of developing solutions and you don't elevate yourself out, you won't become that partner because that, that CEO and the CFO needs to, to have somebody that's elevated above that to talk about the business from a business perspective, not just in terms of bits and bytes. And, um, you know, from, from our perspective, building a team, uh, a capable team to deliver the everyday, to deliver the projects, to deliver the production support gives you the, the bandwidth to be able to be that strategic partner. And when we look at, while we did not have to make much of a business case for a CIO to get an elevated role, but just so that we see and everyone else sees that how if CIO was elevated from their current level to someone who is working hand-in-hand with, with the CEO, but and but to a, a higher capacity or with a better scope, what value would it have brought? So, so Bob, if you were to envision yourself as a CIO working maybe at another level with the CEO, better collaboration or maybe at a better level of empowerment. How much more do you think would you be able to add value if you were given that opportunity? You know, so, so I think it's considerable. Um, at, at my last organization, I started off reporting into the CFO, and about halfway through my three-year tenure there, I reported into the CEO. And the minute I did, and I was on, like Mel was saying, the executive leadership team, and I had a seat at the table, I was instantly able to add value two ways. One is I was able to direct my team to say, don't work on that. It doesn't matter because either we're selling off that business or we're buying this other business. Um, So just having that insight without telling them, here's why I don't work on it, I was able to better structure my resources. But also in the meetings, questions would come up and strategies, and it's like, well, we already have the information. Or we can't do that because of this. And because the CIO and the IT department really sees holistically across the organization more so than maybe some other verticals, you know, it's just, it's valuable information that they didn't get before. And it kind of stopped us from going down some rabbit holes as an organization. So would you say you're satisfied that as long as you got a seat at the table and you of course are reporting to CEO, but then whatever level at which you are, as long as you have a seat at the table and your voice is being heard and people are recognizing what you bring to the table, that's, enough today and you don't need any more to add the maximum value you could in this role no i mean there's also a level of empowerment right so 
people listen to you, you know, you have your team working on the right things. But, I mean, I realize see the CIO is no different than a CFO or a chief HR officer. I mean, we all have our verticals. We all kind of know our business. But just like I'm not replacing cables down in the data center, our CFO is not booking journal entries, and our chief HR officer isn't out recruiting people to be truck drivers. I mean, to, to Mel's point, we have a team of people, and we should just be seen. And regardless of reporting structure, it's really just being on that executive leadership team. Um, you know, to, to be there, to be heard, to be able to direct your team, and to be empowered, and just really be seen as a peer and not just the IT guy, I think, is where the value comes in. Yeah. So to that point, Mel, how do we break the chains of you being a head of a department versus someone who by design is given that holistic role of a chief strategy officer or a chief risk officer who is not being told, okay, go do your job in that particular bucket and then come talking with whatever you can talk always getting connection with that bucket. Like there's a hard connect with that bucket. And I'm trying to make it a soft connect or a dotted line to your department so that you are more at the top versus trying to be in the trenches. Yeah, you know, we, 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 we've addressed that. So, you know, here, here Ryder, um, over the last uh, three or four years, we've, 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 we've made a, a uh, commitment to transforming our, um, you know, like many companies, older companies, transforming our IT infrastructure, our, our IT applications and infrastructure, and along with that, our business processes. And uh, when that first started, it was a, it was, it was essentially an IT exercise, right? It, it was, let's let's carve out some money for for the IT folks to go, you know, fix the the systems behind the scenes. Um, we in the in the last year, uh, I was I was moved over from an operating role. So I was I was a uh, vice president on our maintenance operations side, and uh, was elevated to come over into IT so that you could get a uh, operations or a business leader into IT to help with exactly what you're talking about, which is the the translation of the of the technical uh, and, and IT system-oriented requirements and, and uh, realities to the broader business leadership, right? It's, it's a step that we took structurally to try to connect the IT team, the IT organization, which was somewhat, um, um, again, a distant partner to the rest of the business, um, connecting them to the larger strategy of the of the operation. So this is one way that you do it. You know, take a operating leader, give them a cross cross functional assignment into IT, um, so that they can learn. And you get you know a not just a, a a CIO at the table, but you get a CIO with a kind of a COO's perspective into the discussion. The other thing that we've thought about doing is taking you know some IT leadership and moving them into the business for. Uh, again, similar results, right? To get the cross-boundary discussion, so that uh, so that you don't you're not talking across a transom, two different languages. You're actually solving, focusing more on solving the business problem as opposed to talking about or concerning yourselves with all the differences between how the business speaks and what the business wants versus how IT speaks and, and, and what IT wants. So that, that's, that's one way of approaching this. I think ultimately if you, do, if you deliver the performance on the core things that we do from an IT perspective and you build strong relationships across that executive leadership team, and the CIO um, gets better and better at communicating um, uh, the real challenges for the organization, um, it's, uh, based on the current realities of the of the of the IT infrastructure, the systems, and so forth, that goes a long way. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, any almost any company that you look at, when they, you look at capital spend, it's going to be on um, facilities and, and 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 buildings, maybe acquisitions, and it's going to be on technology. So by default, the IT discussion is one of the big three or four elements when you start, start talking about spending a company's money. So the CIO naturally has a place. It's, it's whether they assume upward uh, by, by joining into some of those broader conversations, either structurally or by the skill of that CIO. 
Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, Bob, how about looking at this cross-pollination approach that uh, Mel suggested, which would be a ticket to CIO getting more visibility and perhaps more empowerment? Does that really actually help elevate the role of a CIO or it does brings up just more credibility and does that really does the job does it really do the job of making this person the, the the best person a CEO could have next to him or her in order to create more value for the organization please stay tuned listeners we'll be right back Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Bob, when you look at the cross-pollination approach that Mel suggested, in order for this person to be more, of course, exposed and also gain more credibility, do you think that's the ticket to someone being seen as almost a pseudo-peer to CEO where CEO himself or herself is able to uh, work a little more closely and get the most value for the company? So I absolutely do agree with the cross-pollination approach. So my own background started in IT, ended up going through the Six Sigma program, green belt, black belt, got a lot of exposure to different parts of the business. I actually ran two financial groups at a $3 billion company, um, accounts payable and fixed assets. Then I went and ran an operations unit for a year. And then I came back to IT with a completely different perspective than when I started. And instead of getting the new whiz-bang technology that was so cool, I said, how can I solve business problems with technology? And the bits and the bytes are kind of irrelevant right now. It's how do we make money as a company? How do we keep more money? How do we retain customers? What's the sticky factor? Um, As well as an MBA. I mean, I've, I've got mine, and that was transformational. So I think the more IT people can get out of their box and actually see how business runs and get more exposure, it benefits everybody. One of our goals for 2015 for every, or 2016 for everybody in IT on my team is that they spend one day uh, with the truck driver delivering our product because we're in distribution. They spend um, one day on the phone with our salespeople. They spend one day out with our outside salespeople. And these are, you know, DBAs and programmers and, and technologists. I don't care. Go out and understand the business by the people who actually do the business. I think it's invaluable. So you get those people to go. Where would you like to go for you to be uh, more effective in your own eye? Bob? That's a great question, and it's the exact same answer. Out with our truck drivers, out with our outside sales folks, sitting with our inside folks, just talking to them about what works and what doesn't, and seeing how they use the systems that we provide. So, Mel, when you look at the skills and competencies, of course, as, a, as part of you developing yourself and, and getting this role and now you're living this role, what additional next-level skills you think you could acquire or someone in your role could acquire so that they are um, seen even in a, at a better level or are seen uh, as, as a true partner by the CEO? Yesterday, we, we uh, our CEO and CFO principally, along with our, our, uh, our divisional business leaders, um, held a, uh, an analyst call to, to, to announce our earnings for the, for the fourth quarter of 2015. Um, I, would, I would add on to what Bob said about getting to know the heart of the business through the truck drivers and the, and the folks that are, that are transacting with customers on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I would annotate that with 
moving up to be the peer of the CFOs, the CEO, or at least, a, like I said, a very valued partner, is you've got to understand that analyst relationship. Those, those external eyes that are evaluating a company, you've got to understand, um, you know, take the steps to get involved in those discussions, participating in those, those earnings calls, not necessarily to, to be a speaker in those calls, but participating from the standpoint of helping to give um, some insight to the CEO of where the technology provides an advantage to the company for the growth projections that, they, that we have and so forth and so on. So I, I think, um, again, just that next step of evolution or, or growth uh, for the CIO is, is, is then launching outside of the business to understanding what the shareholder uh, analysts of the, of the, of the company and the industry are looking for and helping the, the business leadership articulate the value of the, of the investment in technology, right, to the, to the long-term prospects of the company. So all along, of course, you know, if we have to get to a certain level ourselves, uh, yes, it is important that we take the responsibility as CIOs to acquire those skills. But then on the other side, we have seen many times the overall power of this duo, which is a CIO-CEO partnership, gets undermined when either the organization or the CEO or both maybe they are not looking at the potential of what this partnership can do. So what changes or what tweaks would you think would a CEO need to make? And this is not maybe for your CEOs, but across the board, so that they start looking at mining or harnessing the power of this uh, partnership. Bob? Um, you know, and, and kudos to Mel thinking about kind of the analysts and the investors of the company. Um, he, he's like four steps past where I am, so <laughs> congratulations on that. I'm not even thinking about that now, but I, I really need to now that you mention it. Um, but, but to answer the, the original question, um, you know, I, I'd almost say just spend time with the CIO, bounce ideas off them, kind of bring them into the fold. And, and it's all, it depends on the CIO. If you have a bits and bytes guy, like Mel was saying before, might not be a good fit. You don't have to open the kimono and say you're in the club just because of your title, but it should be that way with everybody that the leader of the organization is understand what they can provide, the value they bring, bounce business ideas off them that aren't IT-specific ideas, and just kind of see what the answers are. And what chains us down as an organization, Mel? When you look at organizations where they may have a great CEO and a CIO, but somehow the organization, is it the culture? Is it, is it some, some history that they want to live or, or some external impression that they want to maintain and that's why they kind of not come together? I think it's a little of all of those things, right? Every company has a has an embedded culture. Um, if if you go back, let's 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 say you have an organization where the 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 uh, the IT team hasn't done the basics, which Bob talked about earlier, right? The the phone lines go out because they haven't uh, you know correctly um, uh, set up the, the the infrastructure to support the growth of the business, or they run uh, capital projects and they they don't deliver those well. That that becomes a part of the uh, the view of IT, right? When you're missing deadlines and you're over uh, overextended on costs, and it's hard to shake that. It's hard to shake that once once the organization starts to say, "Oh my gosh, here comes the IT folks. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us double, and it's going to take us three times as long." Um, it's it's hard to turn that. So the focus on delivering the basics, the focus on uh, living up to your commitments. If you commit that you're going to deliver a project in six months, then you need to push every string you possibly can to do that. Um, when you do that, when they when they look at you as um, a reliable, dependable part of the organization, then you'll get those additional conversations. When um, when I when I took over this role, um, one of the things that I said both to the IT organization as well as to our, our internal customer base, I said, uh, you know, I look at this IT organization as a services or it's an internal services organization. And we will aspire to be the best service organization within within Ryder. And Ryder, at its heart, is a services company. So I'm 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 pressing the organization 
to be as good at what we do as our um, our maintenance operation team, our fleet management team, are for our external customers. And that's that's one of the ways you kind of break that 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 cycle that you could be in around how people think about IT. The the other thing that I would say, and I'll point this out, is um, Jim Fowler, who's uh, CEO over at GE, just happened to be looking at uh, some some communication uh, uh, over last week, and uh, the CIO at GE stood out and said they have a they have developed an external solution that's going to bring the corporation fifteen billion dollars in revenue by twenty twenty. That's the CEO of GE is talking to that CIO. So that CEO found, found a way to not only deliver the basics, but to figure out a way to to take what they do and turn it into a, a solution that the company can sell. That's one of the ways you get the attention of both the CIO, the CFO, and the, and the CEO is to help them again help the corporation uh, expand and grow. That's great. Now, uh, Bob, when you look at a CIO, have you noticed that? Almost many CIOs I've seen, they take pride in having their tenure four years or less. It's almost like someone says, oh, you know what? There is a mess when I go in. I go and clean it up, but now I'm bored. So I'm going to move on to the next thing. When you look at an organization and the potential that this partnership could have, what is causing these people to just be mercenaries versus saying, okay, I now cleaned the mess. Now it's the time to maximize what this organization can be with my help working alongside the CEO? You know, I, I haven't met a whole lot of, uh, and I'm very engaged with the Atlanta networking CIO community. We have a great one, um, very close-knit. And I've yet to meet anybody bragging or having stripes on their shoulders about how little tenure they have in an organization. I have met almost everybody, myself included, that walks into an organization and say, wow, this is a mess. I'm going to fix it. We leave thinking we fixed it. And the next CIO that follows us says the exact same thing we said before we got here. So I have no delusions that the next CIO is not going to come into my seat and say, wow, everything's screwed up. All I can hope is it's less screwed up than when I started. Um, you know, and, and as, far as, as far as staying at an organization versus not staying, I mean, it's just like any other, any other company, right? So any other job, any other CFO, CEO, why do they stay versus why do they leave? And it, it's really, it's not IT specific, but personally, and, and Mel might have a different experience, but I've yet to see kind of CIOs as mercenaries or, or hired guns unless they're just in a contractor role. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, the, the one thing that I will say uh, in, in addition to that is if you, when you do walk into a situation where you feel like you've got you've to do a significant amount of transformation or cleanup or whatever the case may be, um, those four years are four hard years, right? It's, it's the change of the culture. It's the resetting of a strategy potentially. It's, it's educating the organization on it, and then it's driving for results. That's... That's heavy lifting, and I could see at the end of that 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 a lot of people will say, "Whew, man, I need to go try something else." Je, you know, just for a mental and a and a and a professional refresh. Less so about the mercenary view, but but more about um, that's a, that's a that's a hard four or five years to push to change an organization, especially the size that you typically will have with an IT organization. So once the person has cleaned the shop, why leave? Why is there a boredom that's setting in? Is the person not challenged enough, Mel? I don't think it's boredom. I, I, I think, um, you know, whether you're on an operating side of the business or in, in, in IT, um, when you, you, you expend so much energy and so much of your strategy, right, or developing a strategy to get the organization to turn to a certain point, and then um, you almost have to reinvent yourself for the next phase, Right, because you got to get the organization to now, you know, you don't really want to go into steady state because you never go steady state. To, to Bob's point, there's still another another level to get to, especially if you're, you're in an organization that's growing. I think it's a, I think it's, um, I think it's a, uh, uh, a situation where it's 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 time to go to a new level. It's time to transition into another phase, and that person makes an objective uh, case or or assessment of whether or not they are the right person for that next phase. 
And, and, and oftentimes people say, no, I, I think it'd be best if, if another person takes them to the next spot. So I don't see it as mercenary. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and see what's the value that a tech-savvy CEO could bring to this relationship. Because in many cases, CIOs say, oh my God, these guys don't really understand it. But perhaps the new breed of CEOs themselves are looking at the value of technology. So if they have it or they don't have it, how much of that has an impact? And if they, for example, don't have it, what do you do as a CIO to groom the CEO in terms of the importance of IT, how it can add value so that help it becomes like a help me help you. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. So, Bob, when you look at uh, the different organizations where, the, of course, expectation is the CIO learns business and totally is aware of what's going on throughout the organization, and expected to work with the CEO looking up to him. How about looking at the CEO and their level of understanding of how important or how valuable or what are the different applications technology can have in building the business to the next level, taking it to the next level. And in some cases, we have seen CEOs not having that background, so the CIO struggle. But in other cases, when they have, they have seen an improvement. So what can be done in situations where the CEOs truly are not tech-savvy? Maybe they, are, they just need help. You know, and, and I am not, I've worked for folks who were tech-savvy and who were not tech-savvy. And to be honest with you, it's easier for me to work with folks who are, for folks who are not tech-savvy. The ones who are, it's almost a hindrance because, excuse me, almost a hindrance because they know all the answers and you really are seen as the IT guy and they give you things to do that are IT related. Um, You know, when talking to the CEO, I have two options. I can either teach him technology or I can speak his language. And let me tell you, it's a heck of a lot easier speaking his language than even trying to teach him mine. Not because mine's harder, but he shouldn't have to know it. He shouldn't care. You know, we shouldn't under, have to understand connectivity. He should just know, are our systems up and how are we going to make more money? And, and that's really where I bridge the gap to his side of the conversation. You know, I'm talking EBITDA. I'm talking P&L. I'm talking, you know, uh, revenue and profit. I mean, that, that's the language that, that, in my mind, successful, progressive CIOs need to be talking. So, Mel, you might have a different experience here because your CEO is a former CIO. Yeah, I had I had prided myself through my career to to never do a job that my boss has done, and uh, that <laughs> this I, I fail woefully in this one. Um, our CEO actually went through the same route, uh, operate operating uh, leader that actually did two tours as a CIO, um, and. Um, he actually was one of the people that came to to talk to me about taking on the role and the value of it. He he actually he actually says that uh, he's done about twenty roles in his his uh, upwards of fifteen roles in his twenty plus years here at Ryder, and he said the CIO role was one of the two toughest roles that he that he did um, on his progression to CEO, and um, he's. Because he's been on both sides, he he doesn't he he doesn't uh, operate with me with the same way that uh, that that Bob just mentioned. He's actually very helpful. Um, he's a second person in the room um, with me to help frame for the rest of the leadership team the the risks, the challenges, the rationale for taking on certain projects, 
even when um, our team comes forward and say, hey, we've, uh, we've got uh, a project that we're in the middle of where the business team is asking for additional scope, um, he, he will actually engage in the discussion around, you know, why that scope is, is uh, appropriate and what it means from a, from a technical standpoint or even, uh, or even the counter. So he's, he's been very helpful in, in the process and, uh, uh, and then now elevating the CIO from uh, the, the role reporting to the chief administrative officer to him. Uh, was also a part of his design uh, to get closer to this part of the business, which he sees as a as one of the one of the linchpins on creating value for the shareholders. I do want to add to that though, uh, real quick. Um, I do see the trend changing. So if you just mm-hmm. think about the technology that people have at home, including the CEO and other executives, they've got iPhones, they've got on demand for you know TV and video streaming, they've got iPads, you know. Everything, if they want to do something, there's an app for it. And so I think the, the trend we're seeing is it's easy, right? I can just go to the app store and get an app. Why can't IT build this? Or why can't we get new phones because they just came out with this cool new technology? And so just even as a, as a whole, just the consumerization of IT, most people, including at my company, have better technology at home than they do at work. And I think 10 or 15 years ago, it was the opposite. You went to work and you had things you didn't have available at home. So I think there's a whole perception issue, which is, you know, what you have at home is cool, but you're not going to have that at the office. And here's why, but we do want to get you what you need to do your job. So it's almost like and a Bob, I, I would say to that point, right, to that particular point, if a CIO finds themselves in a position today where they don't have the voice of the CIO or the CFO or the, the principal business unit leaders, they got to take a step back and think about what they're doing, because because there's there's no business that 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 really exists today. And, and Bob and I are both in, you know, old school industrial businesses, right? We deliver goods to people, or we or we we warehouse them in in, in warehouses um, uh, for them. And so even a business like both of ours is is pushing for more technology. More technology every day, and so um, the discussion with the CEO is inevitable. The discussion with the CFO is inevitable, and uh, I think we as CIOs have to continue to build our skill set to talk the language of business that Bob talked about earlier so that the translation isn't the point, the solutions is the point. So let's look at the other executive uh, cabinet uh, leaders. Like you talk CMOs, you talk CFO, and, and other roles that are as part who the people, other people who are at the table, right, who have a seat at the table. They also sometimes have a different view than what it could be, not what it should be, what it could be for, the, for, for all of them to work better and support the CIO to get an elevated empowerment and work closely with the CEO to eventually get to the next level. Because sometimes business unit leaders or the, the CMOs or CFOs just look at CIO maybe uh, not at the level they could. What can be done to change that perception and to build such a cabinet so that not only CEO helps elevate them, but everybody else also pushes from below? Bob? So, you know, it's all about results. If you keep going to the CEO saying, here's the results for your business, here's the results for your business, they don't actually have a business. They have people on their team who have the businesses. So one of you want to, you know, it's just important not to skirt around the senior VP of a sales region and go to the CEO to say, hey, I have a new sales app that can make you a bunch of money. Because then you'll be kind of seen as that, you know, kind of the backstabber, credit hog type of person. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's results for them, though. Go to that senior salesperson or sales executive and say, hey, I've got an idea. It's going to the CFO to say, hey, I've got an idea. Here's how I can solve some of your problems. Because everybody has problems, and really the role of the CIO is to help solve those, not just up to the CEO, but across the organization. And you also have those people, once you can convert them, to say, hey, CIO is actually doing a really good job. So then you have some kind of folks on your team talking to the CEO without you ever asking for credit or mentioning it. Now, when we look at the CIOs and we started the show, 
talking about uh, CIOs who come from a tech background usually have a disadvantage because they, they just kind of cannot leave the geek side of it. But is there some hope for those people to really come and work shoulder to shoulder with the CEO and and seeing that they have this background. So, Mel, you came from operations. So of course, you have business side, and then you embrace the technology. But people, there are many, many, many people who are from technology side. Do you think they don't stand a chance? I, th- I think no. I think they actually do. I think the the what what they do today is is probably even more valuable. Uh, to the organization than it was when, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, you know, prior to the dot-com bubble. And, um, you know, you, you look at the, the senior marketing, chief marketing officer can't be successful without, in this environment, without a mobile application, without, uh, you know, a, a, a fully functional web website. The chief sales officer can't, uh, none of the divisional presidents can really get, they could, they could get um, more productive growth through the use of technology than they could by doing brunt force um, uh, work along uh, through you know brunt force work with their organizations. So the technology team, the folks that that have this skill set, have a unique have a unique opportunity at this point in time in 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 the industrial economy to help automate uh, or enable processes that have been manual, semi-manual, you know, dysfunctional um, processes that don't provide a lot of information because, it's, you know, you, you don't have the right data linkages and so forth. So in this day and age, with, with the way that, that technology is moving and the example that, uh, that Bob gave, I think anybody that, that has this technical background that goes through and 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 uh, you know resist the introvert t- temptations, right? To really extend themselves outward, learn how to communicate with their peers and so forth. I think you got an opportunity to be a rock star. I mean, you you could really help some people be successful with the skill set that uh, that developers and and portfolio leaders have today. Now, when you are looking at the last few. Um, people who they have to work with internally, you may be able to kind of make friends with them, the CMO, CFO, and, and mm-hmm. other executive leaders and even other you know line of business leaders. Now, if a CIO has to really spread their wings, they have to be able to learn what's happening outside, mm-hmm. what's happening in the marketplace, and what's happening. Like, for example, Mel, you did something with the analyst community. Now, that's like a, a specific instance. But how is CIO exposed externally so that the person really gets to see what a CEO sees and or thinks. How do you make that happen as part of them doing their role and as a typical day of a CIO is like thinking, not just thinking like a CEO, but also getting exposed like a CEO. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Mel, about the external exposure, I personally would say I would get more exposure by going out and, and tread the uncharted territories and look at things, how are they happening in the marketplace versus limiting ourselves to confines of an organization alone. 
Correct. I would agree. I, 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 that's a great question. If um, when I uh, before I before I came into this role, there there was a there was a, as a growing from an operating perspective, there was always an expectation that uh, I would engage with customers, that I would work with suppliers, that I would that I would go to um, executive development classes, right, to learn the the business right of of uh, learn the business the industry uh, learn the specifics about customers and 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 how our suppliers play a role in the in the in the delivery chain um, all of that's available to the CIO the, the CIO again to be and and anybody in this technical chain to be fully effective on a long term basis you really have to be connected to um, what drives your business. And so I think you, you got to kind of look at it the same way. Is uh, if uh, there's a there's an account leader that's going going to go prospecting for a new customer or for uh, you're going to open up a new vertical. You know you're going to start uh, charting trying to drive business into the pharmaceutical industry. Then there's no reason why your chief technical or CIO people, folks can't go to those discussions. There's no reason why they shouldn't go to Wharton for a developmental uh, uh, executive development class so they understand you know, more than bits and bytes but ROI and EBITDA and so forth and so on. So I, I think taking the artificial constraints around uh, the technology leadership leaders should go to should go to microstrategy courses and things along those lines and stay in their, in their lane. Taking that artificial constraint away is what, you, what we've all got to do. And that, that starts with the individual, you know, looking for those opportunities as, as much as the, uh, as the business making the opportunities available. So, Bob, life in the day of a CIO is kind of different than life in the day of a CEO. If you were to do um, a comparison or a contrast... And if you had to go and remove that contrast, wouldn't that be a better way for you to really be thinking and living like a CEO while, of course, you have a title and you have a role to play and you will, you will be seen as someone who gets it? No, not in my opinion. Because um, that's his job. My job is to, number one, keep the wheels on the bus. Number two, get projects done on time. Number three, add value as far as understanding the business and bringing the solutions. If I had his job, then I wouldn't be doing my job. And that foundation that we had built about good service and, and the right staff and the right people, that would atrophy and die, and I'd be back to square one. So, you know, and I probably might have a different view than Mel, not sure. But, you know, at least 50% of my job has to be direct management of my IT organization. Anything left is kind of discretionary which means I can't spend 100% of my time doing what the CEO does. Um, so, you know, there, there is a base level of just things that I have to provide. No, totally. And, and so you are saying that being an enabler is your primary responsibility, and we are not to forget it, totally taken. Would you say that just being an enabler also undermines what you could have otherwise delivered? And you, I'm not saying you in particular, but anyone who's primarily looking at CIO role as an enabler role. To just say, okay, this is what my job is, these are the confines, but, but they would not expand, and in turn, they will not get the exposure, which in turn will not provide the insights they could have shared with the CEO to take it to the next level. I, absolutely. I mean, like I said, 50% of my time is, is managing the IT department. It's that discretionary other 50% that I need to be focused on visiting customers, which nobody's told me no, um, you know, going to to either trade events or understanding the business better. Um, you know, until somebody says no, that's what we should be focused on and not using that discretionary time to further manage IT. I mean, you could get up to 100% of your time managing them down to the very detail level, but I think you're doing a disservice to yourself and the organization. I think you need to say, there's a point that you can say, good enough, the team runs, you know, well enough, I'm now not going to make it perfect, I'm going to spend my time over here doing something else good enough. You know, 80-20 rule. So, Mel, if you look at what, and Bob, thank you so much for your candid response. This is what's very much needed. Uh, Mel, when you look at your organization and you look at your former CIO, and if you look at how he spent his time earlier versus now, if you look at the delta, what he's doing as a CEO, and if some of that could be also embraced by you, do you think you guys will work together better? 
No, I think I think to Bob's point, I think I, I need to have a level of of understanding and empathy for for uh, for what uh, my uh, my my boss's uh, challenges are. But I, I don't need to do his job. Um, I, I think the um, you know you you. Both both Bob and I are, are uh, have six sigma backgrounds, and you know the the tenet that you live by is that you 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 update your processes and then you you take the next step of automating as much as of that of that optimized process as you can, and so you think about the role of the IT organization in that it, it is to make that process better. And so I extend that out to the whole of IT, right? Um, we've got to do our baseline uh, blocking and tackling the 50% that Bob talked about, and, the, and then and then and then take the next steps to help the organization get incrementally better. And um, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's you know encroaching on the CEO's job. I think it's looking at ways to understand again the 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 real needs of the organization. And then leveraging technology towards filling some of those gaps. It's One last question, thirty seconds each. How about sharing your specific nuggets or one or two top ideas you would have or suggestions you'll have for the CIOs who aspire to have a much better partnership level relationship with the CEO? Starting with you, Bob. Ah, oh, hope you pick Mel. Um, he's always got this good answer. I just wanted to piggyback and said what he said. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really, I, I'd go back to those, just the fundamentals. Keep the wheels on the bus, keep the infrastructure up, get projects done on time and on budget, and then understand the business and get business results. Make more money, get customer retention, sticky factor, you know, really just start doing things until you get told no, start doing things to make your company money or achieve a strategic you know, goals without being asked or told how to do it or what to do. Well, I think Bob gave you the blueprint, right? 50%, at least 50% of your focus is on uh, doing what you're supposed to do. You're chartered to do. Focus on the results. Deliver the results. And then if you, if you, as you deliver those results, it, 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 uh, you, you then earn the right Right to branch out and learn more about the business and to provide support at different levels of the business. So, do do the core first, um, but then take the steps out to both learn and support the business at a higher level. What a fantastic discussion today! On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Bob and Mel, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations and the people at the top, which is the CIO and the CEO, and of course the other executive management team, can work in such a way so that the CIO CEO relationship is taught in a different way and, in fact, implemented in a different way. Thank you so much. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CIO Talk Network. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.